The Bible reading is taken from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. So it's Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. A new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Lord, just so aware of a kind of heaviness um, that today and this morning uh, brings for so many of us here. And in the midst of all this, Jesus, we look to you and we, we thank you that you are the victorious king, enthroned on high, and you are returning to your world. And as we come to consider uh, your word now, we pray, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you uh, speak through that which has been prepared here and take 
what is of you and would you make us more into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, yes, that was, that was quite, I found that quite uh, moving, uh, joining in with the, with the BBC there and yeah, just aware it's a, it's a heavy moment for us. And Remembrance Sunday, it's, a, it's significant for, for each one of us, and you know, especially uh, those of us who, who know people who've served or have served in the past, um, or are serving now in armed conflicts, or, or who've been directly affected by war. Uh, this year is the centenary of the Royal Legion, British Royal Legion, which um, was set up in 1921 in the wake of the First World War. And it's a network that supports those who serve or have served in the armed forces. And um, even that date, you can tell that the, the long-term effects of that war were being felt um, you know, even two years after kind of peace had come and this network was set up. Um, it's also the centenary of the artificial poppy, which um, first... Uh, went into circulation in 1921, and we've got a yeah we've got a slide here of poppies, and these this is a, a poignant symbol um, of hope amidst uh, the devastation of the First World War in the um, in the the kind of the fields of northern France where you know, the, the trenches were and the the landscape was just. Um, completely destroyed and devastated by artillery and war, and um, it would, nothing, nothing grew in this kind of desolate place except poppies, which actually thrived in that environment. Um, and so, the, the kind of the fields, the battlefields, uh, were strewn with these red poppies, and so it's become a symbol of hope uh, amidst conflict. And we're all aware, you know, we've, we've been with COVID too, uh, for two years now, and it, it's felt like a war uh, in many ways, hasn't it? It's affected all of us, as total war does. Um, we, we witnessed something of, like, kind of, there were, um, there was talk about the blitz spirit in, in the lockdowns, especially early on, uh, in the, the very severe COVID lockdowns. Um, and we've seen sacrificial service by those on the front line in, in hospitals, in key services, as, as well as you know, by all who've cared for uh, family and friends or who made bubbles with those who were lonely uh, on their own. And the, the death toll from COVID is now over 5 million uh, across the world, which is near to the, the number of civilian deaths in the First World War. And as I was preparing to, to preach this morning, I was captivated by the idea of victory. What does victory look like in this life? What does it look like in war, in the coronavirus pandemic, or in each of our hearts? Is it, is it possible? And it strikes me that all victories in war or over disease, or over inequality, or in the climate crisis, none of these, as important and positive and necessary as each victory is, none of them ever or ever will be that ultimate victory over the power of sin and death in the world by themselves. 
And rather, I'm convinced that in each victory, in every struggle for what is good and right and just, each is a sign, a pointer of the ultimate victory that Jesus has won for us on the cross and the one that he will complete when he returns at the end of history, as we heard in our reading just now from Revelation uh, chapter 21. And it's this moment that Christians eagerly await for Jesus to come and return and make an end to war and disease and suffering. I'm aware in our kind of postmodern historical and cultural moment, even the kind of notion of victory is questioned and uncertain. You know, we, we live in an age now of mass media and communications technology, which means we're all too aware of wars or unrest or disasters, suffering around the world. You know, it's only a few taps away on my smartphone. Any illusions of world peace, I suggest, are shattered by the BBC News app. In addition to that, there's been COVID, hasn't there? And as we approach another Christmas, just with the pandemic ongoing, unsure what's going to happen, unsure if we're going to be able to see our loved ones. We're kind of coming to face the fact that there's not going to be a clean end to this pandemic. You know, there's no, there won't be any surrender or any truces signed in this one. In addition, wars in the past haven't solved the problem of evil in the human heart. And H.G. Wells, kind of infamously, at the start of the First World War in 1914, he described it as the war that will end war, because it was just so horrific. Uh, but tragically, he couldn't have been more wrong. And on top of all this, in August, we, uh, we saw kind of news of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, didn't we? And this really prompted a lot of soul-searching as to kind of what, um, what value or what did, in the, in the face of uh, that withdrawal, perhaps we wonder kind of what was achieved and the sacrifice of so many um, who fought and were involved in that conflict, what did it come to? So we come to Revelation 21. I encourage you, if you have a Bible or a near one, we've got some at the sides to, to turn with me to Revelation chapter 21, um, verses 1 to 11. As we just consider, we look to Jesus in all of this. And into all of this, Revelation 21 speaks a decisive word about God's ultimate assured victory over sin and death. One which was inaugurated 2,000 years ago by Jesus on the cross and which will be categorically completed when Jesus returns at the end of time. Uh, Wilfred Owen uh, was a British poet who uh, fought in the First World War and um, fought in the trenches of France. Tragically, he was killed in action just days before the, the war ended. And um, he wrote, uh, he's written some really beautiful poetry, and I'd like to, to read one of those, uh, part of one of those just now, because he beautifully reflects um, on these verses from Revelation. Uh, it's a poem that's called The End, and it was written right at the heart, the height of um, the First World War. And he writes, 
After the blast of lightning from the east, the flourish of loud clouds, the chariot throne, after the drums of time have rolled and ceased and by the bronze west long retreat is blown, shall life renew these bodies? Of a truth all death will he annul, all tears assuage, or fill these void veins full again with youth and wash with an immortal water age. Really poignant and um, kind of haunting words of someone who was really had seen kind of the, the horrors of war and the sacrifice that um, many had made with their lives, with their bodies, their families. And it, at the same, I feel that Owen at the, simultaneously has this kind of questioning despair of. How, Lord, how is it possible to have victory over this? But at the same time, he clings to that hope uh, that Jesus is coming again and the words of Revelation 21. And so I've entitled this sermon, Ultimate Victory, Jesus Enthroned. And I'd like to just draw a few reflections uh, from um, our passage. Now, just previously in chapter 20, Revelation Um, Jesus has been enthroned, his enemies have been defeated, and that's death, hell, the demonic. And now comes Jesus' final victory. And so I have just three reflections to draw out. First is, Jesus' victory is coming. Second, Jesus' victory will judge. And third, Jesus' victory will comfort. And though we may, with Wilfred Owen, we may wonder at the enormity of Jesus' task for his ultimate victory. And though we, we suffer the pain of life in between the cross and the second coming, the victory we look forward to in Jesus will be glorious. So first, Jesus' victory is coming. So verses 1 and 2 and then 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He, that is Jesus, who was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Jesus is enthroned and his victory is coming. Jesus was crucified on the cross. He rose again. He ascended into heaven, but it doesn't end there. We believe that Jesus is coming again. Uh, and um, it's the, the season of Advent soon. It's my favorite season of the church year. Um, I'm aware that I might be stealing some thunder from the Advent Sunday sermon, but as I am preaching both times that day, I think it's probably okay um, in a few weeks' time. And that's really a season when we In the dark and cold of winter, we look ahead to Jesus and we just say, come, Lord Jesus, come again, as you did that first time in the incarnation as a baby. Come again um, and restore this creation. Now, in the Second World War, a major turning point in the conflict was D-Day. It's the landing of Allied forces on the beaches of Normandy in northern France, Um, which had been occupied by Nazi Germany for for several years, and it took place on the 6th of June, 1944. 
At this point, victory for the Allies over Hitler was basically inevitable. But it wasn't until 336 days later that on the 8th of May, 1945, VE Day happened, Victory in Europe Day, which is still marked each year. Until then, you know, the, the war in Europe continued and the Nazi regime remained in power. The Holocaust continued. Uh, it took nearly a year for that, from that decisive event of D-Day to the final victory of VE Day. And I want to suggest that the cross and the empty tomb are like the D-Day in God's story of salvation in the world. You know, with them, Jesus won victory for all who put their faith in him. And he inaugurated the kingdom of heaven on earth with people from every background receiving the Holy Spirit, knowing forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And yet, you know, sin and death still have power in the world. And we see that all around us and especially today. The devil is still at work. You know, he knows he's defeated. Even during Jesus' ministry, the, the evil spirits, when Jesus encountered them, they you know, they acknowledged him and they fled at his word, but um, they, they remain for now, for a time. The, the devil and the demons have a short time of influence left in history. And Jesus' return, which is depicted in Revelation 21, is VE Day. That final victory over sin, death, and the demonic. And unlike the victory in World War II over Nazism, this will be an ultimate victory over evil in the world. And it's, it's the victory that VE Day in some way prefigured, just as all kind of victories look ahead to Jesus' ultimate victory. So that's the first thought. Jesus' victory is coming. Uh, secondly, and, and this is a challenging one, Jesus' victory will judge. Verses six to eight. Jesus said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Jesus is enthroned, and he will judge the world. And the idea of Jesus judging humanity you know, and, and punishing unrepentant sinners is one that can make us very uncomfortable. But it is part of Jesus' ultimate victory as set out in this passage, and we can't ignore it. It won't do just to, to read the nice verses beforehand and then stop, because this is part of that passage. And secondly, it's, it's part of the good news of Jesus' victory. And this is something that requires, or would, really deserves books to be written on. I just have a few minutes just to, to offer some reflections to you. Um, Jesus coming to judge the world tells us that there will be a reckoning. You know, that there's a part of us that cries out for justice in the face of evil and suffering when it's inflicted on others. You know, it's part of the reason we mark Remembrance Day. 
Yeah, we remember those who have died and, and suffered in war at cruel and unmerciful hands. Yeah, those victims of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Jesus enthroned and coming to judge reminds us that those who perpetuated, perpetrated these things and perpetuate them uh, are held accountable by God. You know, we'll all have to answer to God for the evil we have committed. And if we didn't, then God could have no integrity as a God of love who, elsewhere in our passage, which we're coming to, wipes away every tear from our eyes. Now, ten years ago, uh, upon Jimmy Savile's death, it transpired, transpired that he had been a prolific sex abuser. And yet he died before any justice could be done in this life and led to this real outpouring of anguish, um, particularly those who had suffered um, at his hands. But Jesus coming to judge reminds us that we can't just hide our crimes away. God knows, and he is perfectly just. And because Jesus is enthroned, that means that Jimmy Savile didn't get away with it. He is held accountable by God. And it's not up to us to judge at all, but... God does judge. And all of us deserve to be in that category of verse 8. If it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for his death for us on the cross and rising again and new life, giving us the opportunity for new life. And his grace is available to all of us who cry out to him. And I wonder, perhaps today, perhaps you're aware of of something you've been involved in in the past. I don't know. Um... You know, that hangs on your conscience, something that you know wasn't right in God's sight. I just, this, just want to, from this passage, Jesus holds his arms out. Would you, it's an invitation to come to Jesus, to bring it to him in prayer. Come and speak to, to me or one of the ministry team here if you, if you would like. Um, Jesus loves you and longs to redeem you, to forgive you. And, you know, you might not call yourself a Christian or particularly religious here today, joining us online, listening later. But this is for you as well. It's for all of us. As the great hymn writer Charles Wesley put it, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. That is true for each one of us. Jesus longs, to, uh, t- longs for us to, to return his embrace. And thirdly and finally, Jesus' victory will comfort. Verses three and four. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is such good news to us, um, especially on Remembrance Sunday. Jesus is enthroned and he will comfort us. No more COVID or war, disease, suffering, evil, Each of these things will pass. And so many sufferings and sacrifices have been made in war 
during pandemic. But Jesus' ultimate victory will be so much greater. It will restore everything and infinitely more besides. And I'm certain I can say with confidence that all of us here during the pandemic have known death, mourning, crying, or pain as a direct result of the pandemic. Perhaps personally or someone close to us. And for many of us, these last two years, Jonathan mentioned it's been, we're weary. Feels like we've, might feel like you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Revelation 21 gives us this amazing picture of God with us. The venerable Bede, the theologian in the 7th century, he comments on these verses. For the elect, God himself will be the reward of eternal bliss, which, since they are possessed by him, they possess into all eternity. And in the new creation, those who trust in Jesus in this life will know God face to face. That's the promise that we read here. And know that eternal bliss, joy, and comfort being with God forever, the God of love. Revelation 21 uses uh, the imagery of a wedding. And so I've, I've brought a photo from, from my wedding, Holly and my wedding here, um, Here's a photo, here's Holly uh, coming down the aisle. And what I particularly love about this photo is the kind of, the sense of sort of commotion and excitement um, of the, the, those who are packed in. This is nearly five years ago now, um, as, we, as they anticipate um, what's, what's gonna happen in this service. Um, as an aside, this photo actually has settled a discussion which Holly and I were having about um, what time she arrived. Holly was adamant that she was on time. And as you can see from the clock in this photo, it's actually 10 past, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I like to tease her about. In fairness to her, she did, she did arrive on time or even early, but um, she was held up kind of by the vicar. But uh, I quite like that. <laughs> And in Revelation 21, we can keep that. Why don't we keep that um, picture up? Because we're just going to um, think a bit more about this. Um, in Revelation 21, you know, the church, which is the people of God, followers of Jesus, is depicted as a bride, all beautifully dressed for her wedding day. In verse 11, it says, The brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal, beautifully dressed with the righteousness that Jesus gives us through his work on the cross. And those called to marriage enter into a kind of a closeness, an intimacy, a partnership between man and woman, which wasn't fully there before. And in Bede's words, you know, they possess one another in terms of calling, in terms of resources, family, body, comfort. And all this in an earthly marriage is really just a pointer to that ultimate marriage between Jesus and us, his church, uh, in which God will be with us and we with God. And this is not at all to say that being married gives any kind of superior experience of um, spiritual or relational things. Um, it's a vocation alongside singleness, and um, it, this, both of which point to the significance of spiritual realities. 
Um, and let's never forget that none of us will be married in the new creation. But it is this poignant image that, that um, is used in the scriptures here. And this being with God in Revelation 21 involves God physically wiping away our tears. Such a, a close and um, intimate picture of what it will be like for us with God in the new creation, especially those who have suffered so much in this life. And so God will wipe away your tears, my tears, those we've shed in this life in pursuit of victory and whatever that might look like over sin and death in our lives and the sacrifices and losses that we've experienced as part of it. For some, that's physically in war. For some, on the COVID front line. For others, indirectly or through personal circumstances. And as I was preparing this sermon this, uh, this week, I had a, a sense from the Lord that uh, there might be someone here today who just feels full of tears, kind of like just full to the brim and overflowing with grief, um, just at the cost of circumstances in, in this life. And uh, a verse from Jeremiah um, came to mind. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. And uh, I wonder if particularly this is connected to kind of the COVID pandemic, if you just feel um, full of tears. Um, we would love to pray with you. Um, and Jesus longs to comfort you and will comfort you. And being face to face with God in this way, we know it in part now, don't we? But the ultimate comfort is going to come from God's ultimate victory. So, to wrap things up. What does it mean to live in the light of this coming victory? You know, Jesus' victory is coming. It will judge. It will comfort. So let's live now in the light of his coming victory. I'd like to just return to Wilfred Owen's words from earlier. Shall life renew these bodies? Of a truth all death will he annul, all tears assuage. Or fill these void veins full again with youth and wash with an immortal water, age. Jesus' unequivocal answer to this question is yes. Yes, he will renew the bodies that have been laid down for others. Yes, he will annul death. Yes, he will assuage our tears. Yes, he will fill those veins where blood has been spilled. Yes, he will restore life. An end to war and disease. And in the final verses of the Bible, just across the page on Revelation 22, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And the response uh, John's response, the author of Revelation, is, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Let this be our outlook and our prayer as we consider the temporal victories, 
especially today, of the present and the past, and looking forward to the ultimate victory in Christ that is to come. I'd just like to invite perhaps the band to, to come up and um, just give us a bit of time just to respond. I like, wonder if you'd like to stand. Um, and let's have a moment just to offer to Jesus how you're feeling this Remembrance Sunday. Um, might find it helpful to close your eyes, perhaps have your hands out in front of us. It's just, just a posture of wanting to, to seek the Lord and receive from him and his spirit. Yeah, where are you at today? How close or far does Jesus' ultimate victory seem to you? We can be honest with the Lord, and he knows it all anyway. I wonder how close or far that victory seems to you in the world around you. Or in your, in your heart. I wonder if, if you, do you feel that weight of tears? As Jeremiah weeping for the slain of our people. I want to, to read uh, the collect for this week, the collect prayer that's being said in churches um, all around the country. Heavenly Father, whose blessed Son was revealed to destroy the works of the devil and to make us the children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that we, having this hope, may purify ourselves even as he is pure, that when he shall appear in power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.